Windows gets some good widgets, Xbox is having a moment, and it's time to do a podcast. Happy Friday, friends! What a wonderful week it has been, a wonderful world, it's a good song, it's a classic, it's a, it's a Friday, it's hard to not be happy on a Friday, and uh, welcome all about 10,000, well, actually, so... Like under the under the covers of the podcast, so typical podcast episode like this uh, across YouTube and all the various endpoints for streaming and Spotify's and all that. This podcast does somewhere between ten to eleven thousand listens each week, except for last week, it did about seventeen thousand, and I'm not quite sure why. Honestly, not quite sure why. It could have been bots. It could have been whatever. Either way, the show must go on. So here we are, my friends. And a lot going on this week. AI is all the things, Xbox is doing some fun stuff, so let's just dive in. So, Microsoft is shoving AI into everything. If you thought Metaverse was everywhere, get ready for AI is everywhere. Or Microsoft, I think it was Microsoft, even Facebook, I think, dabbled in this a little bit. We're hearing the terms generative AI. That is uh, a, 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 just how they're framing all this stuff. Either way, a lot of this open AI stuff is coming to Microsoft products, and it's now available inside of Teams if you're willing to pay at least $7 a month. Now, pricing will vary on, uh, during the timeline of the year, but Teams Premium is here, and actually, this seems like a pretty good useful case for it where it will transcribe a meeting, it'll help take notes, it, it will set up appointments and do things based off of what happens during a Teams call. And so that's Teams Premium. Just another way for Microsoft to jack up that uh, MSRP of her, I should say ASP, the average selling price of how much everyone's paying. Speaking of teams, I'm already calling this feature 2020, feature of the year 2023. If you are a Stream Deck user like myself, I hope I don't break this thing like, like this guy right here. Uh, there's a new Teams plugin, an official plugin finally available from Microsoft that allows you to do all sorts of little programs and doodads on that thing, including like mute and call emojis and everything else. So, uh, if you have a stream deck, which they're pretty cool things, I'm not sure if they're for everybody and they're definitely not essential. I actually have two of them, one down here, and then I have the new one with the, the knobby knobs upstairs. I like them, but they're just widget boards, and so they're just fancy macros at the end of the day. But they have little displays, and you can poke them. And uh, yeah, either way. So there's new. There is a new plugin available now. Keep in mind, you're gonna need your your uh, Teams API key, the token key, I believe, as they call it. Which means you're probably going to have to talk to your administrator because I don't think anybody can just get that key. And so then you have to drop that key into the plugin and then it will work. But that's actually probably a good thing. It means it's not just using like uh, keyboard shortcuts. And so, uh, yeah, I'm calling that feature 2023, feature of the year 2023. So there you go. Okay, so uh, Microsoft is bringing, <laughs> I I saw this on online and I'll drop it here. And Microsoft reportedly put a Windows 11 pop-up upgrade screen on somebody's computer, and there were pretty much only two options, yes and, well, basically, yes. And so typically it's yes and not now, which is the most frustrating thing that has happened in technology in the last five years. You can't give us a no, you gotta give us remind me later, because it drives me, drives me up a wall. But either way, as you can see on the screen here, it's... Uh, that's apparently what happened. Now, somebody could have Photoshopped this or whatever. So it wouldn't surprise me if Microsoft has done this. And this is some sort of A-B test to see if they can get people more over to Windows 11. Because remember, Windows 10 will come to end of life in uh, in well, about two years, something like that. So there's not an infinite timeline for support of Windows 10. We will see if Microsoft gets real aggressive and starts rolling this out to everybody. But 
We'll see what happens. Either way, uh, also on that same vein, Microsoft is no longer selling Windows 10. So if you want to buy a Windows 10 license, you probably still can, but you're not going to be getting it direct from Microsoft. You're going to have to go through a third party and they could charge whatever they want or just not sell them at all. But either way, uh, Windows 11 looks like, according to StatCounter, is sitting at around 18% something like that, around 18-ish percent of the market share, which honestly, to me, feels low. Now, I'm not surprised because even the box that I am recording this on is running Windows 10 because Windows 11 isn't supported. And I got to be honest, I don't know if I have any big plans to upgrade this thing to Windows to, to support anything like that. Uh, I use it just specifically for recording videos and things like that, and I don't need a big heavy box to do that. So here we are. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. So speaking of Windows, uh, Windows 11 Dev Build 25290, get some new widgets that are actually useful. I'll throw them up here on the screen as well. So uh, Widget World is, whatever you want to call the Widget Flyout Panel, Widget World is what I kind of think of it in my head, is an interesting place for multiple reasons. Let's start with the good side. First off, it's getting some useful widgets. Now, I'm not an MSN, or MSN, wow, Brad, date yourself there. Facebook Messenger, I'm not a Facebook Messenger user, but if you are, there's now a widget available for insiders that allows you to get quick access to that, which actually I can see as being relatively useful. Now, Spotify, which is something I use day in and day out, is also getting a widget to actually make it easier to launch playlists faster. Side pro tip, if you have a Stream Deck, you can actually program playlists onto the Stream Deck, which is something I use a lot. So the widget may not be perfectly for me, but whatever. This is still a good widget update. Then there's also PhoneLink. And if you're a user of PhoneLink, that is very clearly a good thing. So it's getting faster access. And I, I okay, I, I'm in. I like it. I think Microsoft is doing something right here. The one thing they are doing horrifically wrong, and this is going to hopefully explain things. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on this podcast or not. So Microsoft is all about making money. That is no surprise, right? They're, they're for capitalism. They're a public company. They got to make money. So who is funding the development of Widget World? It is the, I'm almost positive, it's the MSN org, right? This would make a lot of sense when you start to understand. The reason why you can't unpin those horrific news things that are like, ah, oh, 10 things you got to know about Tuesdays in January or something like that, whatever those crazy headlines that we all know are that you never really want to see. And the reason why you can't get rid of them is because MSN is the one that is funding all this, right? When you open the widgets, they get an impression for, and then potentially you click it and then you get to see an ad and then they make money. So this is another way for Microsoft to monetize Windows and that's why you can't remove the god-awful MSN widgets because they're the ones paying for the development and supporting this platform. Oof. Yeah, people are going to be like, but Brad, this is inside of Windows. But yes, my friends, every org needs a budget. Where is their budget coming from? Well, their budget's being derived probably by ads would be my guess. And that's why all this stuff exists. That being said, hopefully one day maybe we can meet getting a little bit better of a happy ground and be able to hide some of that stuff. But for now, it's there and you can have it any color you want as long as it's black. A little Henry Ford for you. But either way, these widgets, I think, are at least a step in the right direction. They are useful, functional, and I'll be curious to see what else comes out of kind of widget world. But it seems like maybe, maybe widgets are finally here to stay in the world of Windows. They've come and gone a couple times through various iterations. So uh, there you go. Also, speaking of ads, Microsoft's bringing more ads to more places, and there is some serious BS in this. So, and not probably not what you're thinking. So, Microsoft is bringing ads to the Microsoft Store. I actually think this is okay. I'm not as upset about this. We've seen it in every single app store, right? Promoted ad, everything. The Amazon Store is just one giant ad. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Here's... It's, 
well, the nutshell version of the news is if you're a developer, you can now pay for promotion and, and ads inside the Microsoft Store. That's fine and dandy. Okay, good. You're trying to sell apps. Great. Here's the biggest baloney, the BS. The This is the terrible part. Microsoft says it is citing 900 million users of the Microsoft Store. No. <laughs> I'm calling no. I am not. No, but there are not 900 million people using the Microsoft Store in any meaningful way. I am calling them out and saying that is no way. Uh, first off, there's some precedents here, and I've mentioned this about a trillion times because it's it's key to Microsoft. Microsoft used to say that Cortana had hundreds of millions of users, but what were those hundreds of millions of users? Well, they were people who would click the Windows key button and start typing a search when Windows 10 launched because Cortana was built into that search experience, and they said, that's a Cortana user, and we all know that is not a Cortana user. I am betting that a majority of the Windows Store users are people who probably have never even opened the store and in any meaningful way. It's because they have apps that are serviced through the Windows Store. So if you have an app on your desktop, like Paint or whatever else is coming through the store these days, and you never open the store, but you get an update through the Microsoft Store, I bet Microsoft is counting you as a user. Are you somebody who's actively going through the store and saying, hey, I'm shopping for apps? No, you're not. But Microsoft says, ah, <laughs> We got you, friends. We got you. You're downloading through our store. We are giving you a monthly active user plus one. So I, I, there's no way 900 million people are actively looking through that store. I bet it's 900 people. Whatever. It's Microsoft doing what Microsoft likes to do and really fudging the numbers because the Microsoft store is okay. It's not anything aspirational, I think, at this point. Now, granted, the Mac OS store is not anything aspirational either. I think it's at a better place than the Windows Store, but it's not like the iOS App Store. There is, the iOS App Store is like up on the mountain of like perfectness. Perfectness meaning how many people are using it, whereas the Mac OS Store is like way down on the hillside and then the Windows Store is like down in the valley somewhere. Maybe not in the valley, maybe in the plains. Uh, we'll call it that. So I don't want to drag too much on the Windows Store because they've, they've basically overhauled the entire model about twice, maybe three times, I guess, depending on how you slice the carrot. But either way, uh, yeah, that's the Microsoft Store. So on to the gaming news, my friends. So uh, there's a report out that Gear 6 will be the next Coalition's game after two other games were canceled. And so we don't quite know what those other games potentially were, but it looks like they're going to be focusing on the Gear 6. Part of me, part of me has to wonder is that if some of these studios got a little ambitious and said, look, we can just build a whole bunch of different games in a pipeline and, and be fine. But what we really learned is that one studio should be building one game. That way they can put all their effort and energy into getting that game out on time. And when you have other titles in there, management gets distracted and it just doesn't work out well. Either way, it uh, looks like Gear 6 will be the Coalition's next title. So that seems like a good thing. Uh, Age 2, Age 2 Definitive Edition, has dropped on consoles. Now, I got to tell you, friends, I think... I think that they did a wonderful job with this. I, like many people, you think RTS on a console with a controller cannot be good. I'm telling you, friends, they did a, a wonderful job with the controller scheme. And I played, I got my butt kicked last night. And then I also won. I wish there was a different, uh, so I played just skirmishes. That's what I enjoy. I go play against the computer. So like normal is relatively normal, right? Like I can win normal ones. But when you go from normal, I think it's to moderate or even hard. I can't remember if it's moderate to hard or whatever. That is a huge skill gap jump because they just start rushing and I get destroyed. And so either way, uh, give it a try. If you've never played Age, I highly recommend everybody go through the tutorial. Even if you've played Age, I played Age 2 a ton. But going through that controller contor tutorial is 
immensely helpful because there's a lot of functionality built into the control scheme, but it's not very easily discoverable. By going through the tutorial, obviously they teach you things. I know how crazy, Brad, just read the instructions and then you'll learn how to do it. I know, but a lot of people, myself included, will skip tutorials, but do this tutorial. It's like 15 minutes and it'll teach you how to use the controller scheme and then you'll be fine. I think they put a lot of effort in figuring out how to use the controller for an RTS style game. And I, I, I don't want to say it's perfect because there's definitely some oddities, especially if you're trying to select single units when they're near a building, but it's like 95%, 98% of the way there. It is more than playable and it is quite an enjoyable game. And I think they deserve some credit. Obviously 007 dropped, uh, Golden I've been playing that a little bit. Hi-Fi Rush, uh, I think I mentioned last week. It's not perfectly aligned for my interest, which is fine, which is fine. Not every game is, but it's doing very well. I think I had like a Metacritic must play rating. And so there's a lot of content on Game Pass these days. A lot of content on Game Pass. Speaking of, um, I, I don't know, this is a bad segue. Uh, Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo, according to IGN, will not be attending E3. That is the least surprising news that I have heard in a while. First off, remember, E3 kind of went away, and then all of a sudden it's back. Now it's, but it's never, the E3 you remember as probably a kid or even a teenager is gone, my friends. It's, it's not happening. These massive trade shows like CES are continuing to evolve, but they're not the same thing they once were, primarily because if you're a company, Microsoft, Sony, or Nintendo, they can hold an event and they can attract a huge crowd. They don't need a conference to get eyeballs. They can just say, we're having an event on January 9th in the middle of Antarctica and people will show up. That is how Microsoft works. That is how Sony is. That is how Nintendo is. And not to mention, when you do things at E3, you're aligned to E3 schedule, not your own publishing and marketing schedule. And so it, it's not surprising. And I think E3 can continue to exist, but, and maybe this is honestly a better thing is that it's going to be more of the indie studios, which is what it really should be. The, the studios that need the attention, that need the limelight, need E3 more than Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo do. When those guys show up, they dwarf everything else. So while the show will be smaller for sure, I do think that this is probably a better thing long-term. Also speaking of Microsoft, the EU has officially given Microsoft its quote-unquote issues, and now Microsoft is going to have to file its remedies. Remember, this is all part of the process, and expected Microsoft try to file re file remedies initially, and the EU is like, uh -uh, we need to file, uh, you know, give you our grievances, and then you can respond. And so now we haven't, I don't think, officially heard yet what those issues are from the EU, but it was reported that Microsoft has been given the, the I'm guessing, very lengthy document that details everything out, and now Microsoft's going to have to respond. All this information will become public here, I'm sure, in a little bit. Uh, also, on the Xbox side, Microsoft is delisting over 40 games from its Xbox 360 marketplace. If you are interested in these games and you own these games digitally, make sure you download them now. You will still be able to play them after they've been delisted, but I'm not sure why they're being delisted. Typically, it comes from a licensing agreement. This always happened, I believe, with like Forza, where they didn't have licenses for specific cars or uh, brands for, for an infinite number of times, and so they have to pull the title. But if you have the title digitally, you can still play it. If you have the title on a disc, you can still play it. But this raises the flag again of some of the issues. If you have a digital game, you're not, you don't own the game, you're just renting the ability to play it. And so just keep that in mind. And then finally, I want to wrap something up here with on the Sony side. 
because there were some really weird discussions about Sony just blasting Xbox. Uh, so Sony has raised their financial forecast on strong PS5 sales. This is wonderful news. The gaming community is healthy. Sony, who claims that Microsoft can't buy ABK because it'll hurt their product. I mean, they're they're doing well, and that is awesome for Sony. Um, they're, I believe, over 30 million consoles sold. But to put some things in perspective here, the news that was out was like, oh, Sony's consoles are selling so well that they have to raise their financial forecast, which is absolutely true. But the thing is, is the percentage of revenue that PlayStation brings in compared to Sony's overall revenue is a much larger proportion. So look at this. Sony's net income was $2.7 billion last quarter on revenues of 23.7. So of that $23.7 billion revenues, PlayStation makes up a larger portion because 23.7 is a smaller than number than what Microsoft has. Microsoft's revenue for the same quarter were $52.7 billion with a net income of $16.4 billion. So if you put these numbers kind of side by side, you can see that even if Xbox and Sony were the exact same size in terms of revenue, there would be a smaller percentage overall. And so if Xbox thinks it's going to have a good quarter or a good year and it raises its own internal forecast, it's going to have to be a much larger percentage to raise the overall revenue to boost that up. The headlines that were out were saying Xbox is getting destroyed because it's not raising Microsoft's revenue or uh, changing their guidance, I should say. It was just sort of a thing. Just keep in mind that Sony is a smaller company. That being said, $23.7 billion in annual and quarterly revenue for Sony is still massive. A billion dollars is massive amounts of money. And so the good thing is both companies appear to be healthy. Both companies continue to have a strategy for their console sales and gaming. And as a gamer myself, that is a good thing. So let's jump it on over to the questions of the week. There were just a couple in, just a couple. That's fine. That's fine, my friends. Uh, and I think two were from Mr. PKI. So he's going to kick it off here. He says, uh, now that Windows 10 is no longer being sold, will we see a massive increase in Windows 11 share percentage in the in the enterprise market. Ooh, I thought you were going to say consumer, but in the enterprise market, I'm going to go with probably not. Uh, the reason the reason why I think we're seeing a slow adoption is Microsoft put together this narrative. It's more secure. It's better. But what a lot of people are forgetting is that when, uh, when the pandemic started, a lot of companies just started buying PCs because they had to equip their users to be from home, right? They had to get laptops. They had them. And remember the whole market just dried up real quick because you couldn't find a laptop. And so all those companies just bought brand new entitlements to windows 10, brand new windows 10 devices. Typically some, most companies are on at least a three year hardware cycle. Some are on a five year cycle. So you're got to be looking at least probably five years from when that massive buying wave occurred to when we're going to see big, Big numbers of, of companies rebuying hardware. That's why PC sales are down because the enterprise said, look, we ratcheted up and, and moved forward a bunch of capital expense to buy laptops and desktops ahead of schedule because we needed to equip people to work from home. And it's like, we're not going to buy another PC just because we should, like because of Windows 11. And so I still, I, I am very, very curious to see what Microsoft does with Windows 10 uh, life cycle support because I think they have a very big problem brewing very similar to Windows 7 of getting people and, and enterprises to upgrade. They might just strong arm and be like, look, fine, you can keep continuing to run it, but you've got to pay. And they might just go that route. I don't know if they will. But it would not surprise me if Enterprise specifically maybe gets some sort of grace period that we haven't typically seen with a large product like Windows 10 reaching end of life. Wasn't an issue with Windows 8 for obvious reasons. Was an issue with Windows 7. 
and uh, was a problem with Windows XP as well. So there you go. Uh, Matto Bear says Sony is sending truckloads of PS5 to retailers. Yes, noted in the Sony uh, earnings report is that they're back. Their supply constraints those are way those have gone the way of Dodo. That's a good thing, and they are now able to pump out units as as they please. The last two weeks, my store has received and sold over 50 units. Xbox Series S. We got about a dozen in the Series X. We got two. Wow. Sony has seriously upped their supply. What is preventing Microsoft from being able to provide high amounts of consoles? This is a good question. I don't believe we've heard of any supply constraints being what's holding back Xbox Series S. Correct me if I'm wrong. Anybody, I've seen it fairly regularly on store shelves. And during the holidays, it was actually readily available with that new bundle and that, that lower price point. I'm curious if more series x's are holding things back i haven't tried to buy a series x in a long time i mean i bought one day one but that was the last time i actually tried to like look and buy one so i maybe the lack of series the fewer series x's on the shelves are holding back microsoft's wider adoption i don't know uh i knew i do know that they did bet heavily that the series s would be the higher volume skew which makes sense right it's it's a great value at 299 msrp i put that in quotes because you're not paying 299 anymore it's definitely either you're paying 299 but you're getting an x controller in a game or some digital entitlements or you're paying like 249 or if you got lucky you paid 199 during the holiday shopping season so i don't know if they're microsoft hasn't i Per their last earnings, I don't remember them saying they had supply constraints. So this could just be their order allotment that they actually just priced out. And wrapping it up for the week is Mr. PKI. Despite all the layoffs and reductions across Microsoft, are all the teams standing up or building teams to be AI integrated with chat GPT? Is this the new wave just like .NET? So inside the world of Microsoft, chat, if you want a promotion, you walk and say, I can get chat GPT into X product. And they'll be like, funded. That development project is getting greenlit. So Microsoft is very much all in. This is their next wave of innovation, if you want to call it that. And I don't know if it's a wave just like .NET. To me, it feels slightly... I understand where the analogy is coming from, but to me, .NET is a much more lower level thing. ChatGPT is more of like, here's some API calls and let's just get it integrated and then we'll charge a few more bucks for it. Uh, the real, like the still real interesting thing is that yes, Microsoft is heavily invested in OpenAI, is that they still don't own this. Like this isn't their thing. And so uh, it always still feels a little bit awkward, but obviously Microsoft is going all in. There's actually even a new plugin for Word, although I believe it's third party called Ghostwriter. And everybody under the sun is using or trying to figure out ways to use ChatGPT. I think they said it was one of the fastest consumer apps ever with like 100 million uh, active users in two months, which is insane growth. And so I don't think ChatGPT and this AI stuff is going away. I think it's going to be, I think what Microsoft honestly did with Teams Premium is probably like what makes the most sense. The general AI where you just have a search box and just type in something and get query results, it's fantastic. But I don't think that's the, at least yet, I don't think that's the ideal use case. I think things like inside of Word, inside of Excel, inside of Teams actually is where it makes the most sense. And so Microsoft is trying to figure out to show, figure out how to put it everywhere. The fun one will be because how is Microsoft Microsoft's going to bring OpenAI to Xbox. I'm sure they'll do something. I'm sure they will figure out something and be like, yeah, we got to do this and it's inside of a game. Maybe it's like Crackdown 4. Remember Crackdown 3 was the big one with the Azure stuff that never really panned out. Crackdown 4 would be like, look, we got ChatGPT. It seems like that's just the playground place for uh, Microsoft these days. I, I have no idea what Crackdown 4 is happening. If it is happening, that's more of a joke. Please don't take that serious. So there you go, my friends. 
that wraps it up for the week. It's been a good, I don't know why I'm beating on this desk. I'm just in a, it's a, always in a good mood on a Friday. Hopefully you are in a good mood on a Friday. And as always, my friend, make sure to keep it subscribed here because the only BS on this podcast is me.